Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out NUMAOutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery elevating the archery experience take a test drive with the matthews v331 or 27 at a local dealer near you vortex optics i've been partnered with vortex since 2010 this company is awesome they're american owned veteran owned they're based in wisconsin their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics accessories and apparel most of the apparel that i wear while training scouting and hanging out around the house is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out, and if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE at checkout, and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon 2, and their Radiant Carbon, and it also has a ball leveling head, and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There is the tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime no-fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at VortexOptics.com. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast. Me, Dan, the fitness man. Boot school, baby. Time to dig in on boots. You know, for someone like me who's been wearing the same brand for 10 years, not trying other brands, kind of a disservice in my position where I should know a little bit more about other brands. So who better than Kendall Card of Black Ovis, of Crispy, of Camo Fire, 
this guy is a wealth of knowledge. So we're sitting down and we're going through boot school and getting his answers on all my questions. Check it out. Oh yeah. I ran down there. I ran for four miles and in a t-shirt and shorts, bro, dude, come at me. I know. So it was good. And full. what were the people like, like, uh, all the people that attended, uh, are you getting interesting, like perspectives of the di different areas of the country and how the people are both their excitement for what you're doing as well as their, I don't know, their mannerisms and things. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Um, that was probably our most serious, uh, crowd yet. And I think Pennsylvania is just kind of a bow hunters hub. Mm -hmm. And it was real obvious that these guys, like everybody's gear selection on their archery was pretty impressive. Uh, a lot of brand new bows, uh, a lot of knock on products, a lot of art, John Dudley stuff. That's Dudley country, huh? Dudley country for sure. And, uh, I don't know. Um, that was a cool camp. Like I actually hung out with a few of the campers after camp, which usually doesn't happen. Um, so it was because people just disperse or you got stuff going on or you're just like, uh, it's kind of the, the coach slash player relationship with, uh, no, I don't mind. I usually, well, you probably know this about me. I'm pretty dedicated to, uh, working. And so like when I get back from camps, I usually, uh, download all the, f the images and content and edit it. And, um, send an email out for the next day. Just let them know what's I, I'm busy while they're just w doing work and stuff. And so I just don't have a lot of time to, to even downtime, let alone, but it was cool. A couple guys came over to the house. We actually had an Airbnb and we ended up doing a podcast uh, with uh, a couple of the campers. Bo Martonic was there. Do you know him from East meets West? So that's so funny. You just said that I'm like, that name just sounds so familiar. And I'm looking in my inbox, and it's uh, East meets West introduction is the name of the email. I just oh, yeah. saw it. Yeah. That's probably my fault because I – No, no, no. This was from like a week or so ago, and I was like, oh, I got I to gotta look – I got to respond to this guy. <laughs> That's awesome. So he's got a podcast, so we just were like, let's podcast tonight. And it was good. It was really cool. So, yeah, man, what about you guys? What have you been up to? Dude, just working a ton, training a bunch, just try. Um, I shot a new, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm a, I don't like getting new bows a, because it takes time and B I think as long as my bow can kill stuff, I can kill stuff and I'm all good. I don't need a new bow, but I finally got talked into actually, well, so I had the new Hoyt, I'm a Hoyt guy. Like I'm not even going to try and shoot anything else. That's just like, I'm yeah. loyal. Like yeah. if I was a mule deer, you could totally pattern me and kill me. But, uh, cause I would do the same thing all the time. But so the Hoyt rep dropped off of the new bow. I don't even know what it's called. Um, the Ventum. Yeah, that's probably what it's called. But the, uh, he dropped it off like three weeks ago and then, uh, two, what's day Tuesday. So Friday, Thursday, he's like, Hey bro, I need that bow back tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't even shot it in three weeks. So I finally shot it and I was like, I, sh I shouldn't have shot that bow because <laughs> it's so rad so i'm uh i'm gonna be entering the uh the bow the new bow stage here shortly um looks like they finally made some changes uh some good changes to their system um 
I keep an eye on what they do, and I mean, I people are saying. I haven't seen them do much in the last three or four years. I haven't enjoyed the RX series at all when I shot. I shot the RX one and the three, and I did very much to not enjoy those bows. So this yeah, looked, I I like so I was a I I had the Defiant and I still have it. It's, it's, that that's the right bow if you're a Hoyt guy. That's the right bow. I think I'm gonna get rid of the RX three. I think I'm gonna sell that one and keep the 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 Defiant as my backup. And on this new Ventum um, will be kind of my primary. We'll see. I'll go back and forth. So I, yeah. I, pretty psyched about that but i'm just dude i'm training so much right now running uh for these two events i'm doing um one's just my own event i'm doing the grand canyon again rim to rim to rim oh specific time i've done it twice and this is round three i just don't want to try i'm gonna try and do it without suffering too bad yeah bro like how sore do you get after that event that's a ton of elevation. I'm not super sore it's just like the exhaustion like and it's managing nutrition and dehydration better that's really the key to me to going faster and not like imploding um but i don't get that sore i mean because you know i think i train pretty well but it's a, yeah it's like twelve thousand vert eleven thousand vert each way up and down <laughs> oh in fit in 48 miles but then i'm doing my first 100 in june um it's the bighorn 100 and that's like I honestly running right now is feels like a part-time job. Like last night was actually one of the more enjoyable runs I've had in a long time, but the rest of the time, and I'm running probably 80% of my time is with a headlamp. So that's kind of makes for the monotonous, but I have to be able to run in crappy conditions and, and not really fun hours. So I go run at like midnight sometimes just because it's hard and, and it makes me mentally tougher, tougher, but yes, it does. You, you don't, you can choose to be mentally tough. What about the bighorn route? Like where does it start? Where does it end? And what's like, so I've been in the bighorns and I don't know if I'd want to run in there, to be honest. I, I think, I think probably of the hundred miles, I would, I would suspect I'll probably run 50, like actually run 50. You, you end up hiking a lot. And then sometimes you just so torched that you just, you're walking. But uh, according to my buddy, and he's done, he does like two or three a year. Um, but it's, it, you start in Dayton up just north of uh, Sheridan and you run uh, out of Dayton. And I forget the name of the, it's called Crooked River maybe. Um, and you run up, up a river basin and then basically get up and over some ridges and peaks. And then way up in the very, very top of, there's Highway 14 crosses from Grable over to you know, near Cody from Grable over to uh, to uh, Dayton and Sheridan, and you basically end up right near the summit of that, and you turn around and go right back down. So, and it's about they're saying according to the map, it's about twenty two thousand vertical uh, ascended and descended. Yeah. So, do you end up running by the ski resort over there? No, not quite. Okay. Kind of go a little bit away from that. So, isn't there a lot of snow still? So that, that race is notorious for being muddy and wet. Um, and then you have patches of snow you typically go through. Okay. So I'm, I'm, uh, but, but the thing is, I was not interested in doing a hundred miler if it was going to be August or September, which is when a lot of them are just because I'm not, I'm not willing to sacrifice hunting for running something like that. Dude, you picked a doozy. I mean, I think you got the Western States, which is pretty legit. And you got the Bighorn. Yeah, and then and then you know Hard Rock and Wasatch are kind of the other two big ones, but uh, 
Wasatch's first week of September and Hard Rock is like, no thanks. Um, and that's down in Telluride, but the, uh, or uh, Silverton, but that, but the, the other thing, the other hard thing about this is that it's uh, it's also all my training is winter, like for me. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah. I, but here's the thing, like, like sometimes you just got to tell yourself, I want to just, I want to do hard things. I want to go step out of the comfort zone and just go crush myself so that you can kind of check, kind of check your temperature where you're at. Am I still mentally tough? I mean, I'll be 50 this year. So that was, I had something, something to do with it. It's like, I want to get, I want to, you know, I want to kick tail and take names later and, and do that as long as I physically can. So mm, I like that. Maybe this will help kind of humble me. And it also put me in a good spot for hunting season. Oh, it will indeed. What are you going to run? What are you going to wear? I mean, I know we're going to talk about boots today, but what are you, what are you going to wear in your feet for this run? So the darn tough makes two socks and farm to feet makes a pair of socks that I'll use. Um, then I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably have three or four pairs of socks throughout the race. I'll have them at different drop points so I can swap socks on a regular and I'll have two pairs of shoes. I wear ultras. Um, and then it's the temp, the temp 2.5 is the one I, I like. Um, so y'all have, but I'll have a pair of shoes that I'll kind of run in and I'll have a secondary pair so that if my feet absolutely just get soaked out that I can swap or, or just to swap out my insoles as well. I usually use the super feet. Uh, they have a couple of running specific, uh, um, insoles, but my feet do pretty good. Like I did, I did, uh, little over 10 on Friday and then another 16 on Saturday. Um, I tried to do within 24 hours, 26 and. My feet were great. I was pretty exhausted, but what about support team? What do you have for that? That's the tough thing. My wife and my, my oldest son are going to be my, my crew. Um, and some of that is it's good because they, you know, they'll, they, they know, I mean, they can, they can flip it at me, but they can also take it if I get kind of like a little aggro. <laughs> and then my, my good, my good buddy, my friend, Justin, who's my hunting partner, He's, uh, he's semi world famous, but he, uh, he shot that giant Colorado buck a few years ago, but he, um, the velvet one. Yeah. That was his. Yeah. I watched that go down. It was pretty cool, but it was, uh, he's going to pace me for about 20 to 25 of that race. That'll be during the night. Okay. Who's that cat who, uh, shot that crazy Wasatch buck this year and he's a runner. James Yates. Yeah. Yeah. James is a friend. He's actually, so he, he, uh, he was one that brought the ADAC final harness idea to us. And then, and then he and I kind of worked, worked in collaboration to get that to, to become a product. It's kind of okay. fizzled a little bit out of our, just we're distracted in other ways, but, uh, James is a solid dude. We've, uh, we've had a good, good history and we got a good friendship. Okay. Well, he, he killed, he killed a giant this year. Uh, and he knew about it. He had been tracking that buck for a couple of years is what he told That's me. Pretty cool. I have to get him on here and hear that story. Although I'm sure he's been on other podcasts. And then he, so I remember you sending me some eight acts to try a while ago and telling me that some cat brought the design to you. I didn't realize that was him. That makes sense. Cause he was all about, I mean, he's an engineer. He's a camel, like a camel engineer or something like that. He does. Uh, he he designs oil refineries and stuff like that. Okay, okay. 
but he, so he's super analytical about product. And so he and I, we have that kind of kindred spirit. We love to tweak and this and that. And so, um, yeah, he was the one that brought that idea and kind of came up with that. He, his whole thing was quiet and single hand use so that you basically open a single. So some guys may not like it, but it's, it's, it's built for a specific type of hunter and a specific type of purpose. Um, it's definitely one of my favorites. I actually stole the, the ADAC rangefinder pouch and put it on my, uh, vortex, uh, rig chest rig because I liked it so much. I did the same thing. I pulled it off. I created this, uh, this super ultralight hybrid ADAC slash bungee cord thing. Um, and, uh, I don't know, we might come out with it as a product, but, uh, but yeah, I took the rangefinder pocket off that. And I've also used that rangefinder pocket on the Mr. Ranch, uh, bino chest harness. So. That's funny to me. It's good. It's, uh, I'm trying a bunch of bino harnesses out. I never seem to, I don't know. I'm always picky on those things, but, uh, ADAC was way up there. And I've also tested, uh, some marsupial stuff. I've been pretty impressed with, but, uh, there's yet. And I, I, I want to, um, uh, I just I just got the stone the new stone glacier one so I'm gonna mm-hmm. be playing around with that one. What do you think? Pretty interesting. Like the cool thing about stone glacier that and then the new gators that are coming out is very very different. Like they've they've like hurt, gone. Kind of it's not just a me too. It's it's a completely rethought type of system of, to accomplish the same thing. And so. Um, I'm pretty impressed by the ingenuity. Sometimes guys get a little too far into the, like the, the geek squad zone where they, uh, they end up, it's like, Hey, it's too much gadget, not enough gear. But I think, uh, I think they're they're that vinyl harness and their new gator coming out might be pretty, pretty cool. There's certainly some shortcomings that I'll probably like, nah, like this model, this other one, this other one, like vinyl harnesses are easy to pick apart and find out why you don't like this particular aspect or why you like this particular aspect because there's so, there's so many of them, but I, I'm so far so good. I, it, it's a little snug on my 12 by 50 ELs, which I'm going to use for glassing, uh, on, on my bear hunt next month. So I'm a little like, Oh gosh, it almost wished it was bigger or there was a bigger size, which they haven't come out with yet. Oh yeah. But for straight up, like my vortex, my razor 10 by 42s money money yeah the uhds from vortex are way bigger they are which which almost bummed me out a little bit i got those uhds and i love the visual on them but i actually before i got they, they were on their way i gave my 10 by 42 razors to my son i was like hey you can have these and um, i've got some new ones and then i went back to him like mid-season last year i'm like hey you want to swap and he's like yeah aren't those the new ones i'm like yeah i'm i'm I like the small single hand razor, uh, even though the UHD is a better glass. Dang it. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. Yeah. Like my, yeah, I got a bino harness from Numa and my UHDs do not fit in there at all. So it's, uh, it's good. Um, you bino harnesses are kind of saturated, but the, you know what else is saturated is the boot market. Like there's so many boot brands and here's why I'm bringing you on today. Kendall, we're doing boot school, but yes, yes, you're definitely own crispy, like literally physically, like you own them, but also you own black Ovis and you sell your competitor stuff on there, which makes you unique that you have a vested interest in their success 
as well as your own. Um, people would say that that's, that's a bad situation. We've, I've had people credit in the industry criticize me because they feel, yeah. Anyway, like the, you know, I'm not naming names or anything, but I've had people criticize me like, Hey, you've got double interest happening. And it's like, it is what it is. But the reality huh. is like you just said, it's, I have, I do have an interest in selling other product besides crispy. And it's sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's like, you know, it's almost like, is this guy a Democrat or Republican? Like, what is he? <laughs> yes. That's a good analogy. And it's like, yes, you're an independent. <laughs> I, I've very much chosen independent. Right. Um, but I'll have conversation with dudes on, on like if guys call on the crispy line and I'm talking with them, I'll have definitely conversations where I'll say like, Hey man, are you might consider like a canny, like, you know, or you might consider a Loa if you want this particular type of boot and you're not satisfied with like, you know, the Colorado or the Brickstall or the Nevada or, you know, I've, and I've even told guy, you know, I've had conversations with guys where they're like, Hey, I'm, you know, I love the Scarpa, whatever, you know, and, and, uh, or I, I love the Loa Tibet. I absolutely love that boot. Um, but I'm thinking of trying like, you know, whatever from crispy. And sometimes I'm like, man, I, that boot's unique enough that you may not like anything from us and you might just be better suited to stick with the Tibet. Mm -hmm. Like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not just, I don't want to just sell you a boot just to sell you a boot. So I do, mm. I do, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I try to be fair and loyal to each brand uh, when it, when it, when it means, you know, especially on the customer side, when it, when it makes sense for the customer. Yep. Well, that's why I kind of think you're unbiased a little bit. I mean, we'll definitely talk about crispy boots today, guys. Like that's going to happen, but we're going to back it up a little bit and kind of go over your top five boot manufacturers or top three that you guys sell at blackovis.com. Cause that's going to help kind of direct this conversation. Yeah. So, uh, you'd probably go, well, crispy first off, um, Kenetrek, uh, Salewa is probably pretty close. Hanwag and, and Scarpa. Um, and we do well, Solomon and Scarpa are probably right neck and neck. And I probably didn't say that in that in, in the actual order, but, uh, but I'd say crispy, Kenny, Hanwag and, and, uh, Hanwag and, and Scarpa and, and, uh, and, uh, Solomon are probably all right there. We also sell La Sportiva and do a fairly decent business. And we sell Danner. We do a, do a pretty good business with Danner. Okay. Uh, but, but the leaders are those, those, uh, those first two, uh, um, you know, and Loa, I, I missed Loa in there and Loa we just don't have a lot of models from Loa. Okay. Um, we, only, we only care four from Loa and like four from, from Sportiva. Well, that's exciting that you guys carry some bigger brands like that. Um, so obviously I think listeners know and don't know, I've been wearing Kenny's for like a decade and kind of never really tried anything else ever. Just kind of been kind of living in my own world. And I got to the point where I wanted to, I think I got Hanbog sent to me to try. Um, and I didn't really ask for them. I just got them. And I liked them. And then I was like, well, I know Kendall. Let me try some Krispies while I'm trying other stuff on. And I was super happy with Kinetrek. Straight up. They're a great boot. But uh, tried yours on. And, and I, we already talked about this offline. But I actually, Krispy was never really on my radar. I felt like you guys were kind of 
oh man, this is weird. Kind of awkward telling the owner of his own boot company this, but I'll shoot you straight. I thought you guys were trendy. I thought you were just a trendy little trender, hipster, like, you know, the flavor of the month. Um, and so whatever. What do you think led to that? What, what was, what landed to your impression? I seen some guys talking about it that maybe, you know, I, at that point in time, I was like, uh, I've hunted longer than you. I don't like, not that I know more, but just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I had that didn't validate the brand right. for you. Those it, it those wasn't people, people, whoever they were. Right. Yeah, and I, honestly, sometimes when companies are really good at marketing, because Crispy is like, I'd see Crispy everywhere, including like my own pro shop was selling them, and I just kind of dug in deeper because I'm stubborn like that. So that's probably more on me too, and it's funny to tell you all this because I was trying these Hanvogs on super impressed. Uh, I have my Kinney's, I have all sorts of Kinetrex and then these crispies show up, which you, and I told you, I mean, I was not, I was like, bro, you don't just stick with stick with Kinetrex or, yep. Or go with Hanwag if you like them. I was, yeah. I was kind of like, I mean, I didn't really push it is what I'm trying to say. hundred percent. In fact, uh, I think we had anticipated me shipping them back to you guys. So I made sure not to like really get them too cut, you know, dirty or whatever. Um, and so th at the end of the day, I know that everything on a hunt starts from the ground up. I always say that I believe that you can be sidelined because of foot issues, hundred percent. And the other thing is, is like boots are super individual. Like you can't like, who cares what I wear? Um, you need to find out what suits you and and really the the biggest challenge for folks kindle is that it's very challenging to find a dealer where you can go physically put these on and so it's a little bit of a gamble when you order online so all that is to say i'm going to just cut to the chase i couldn't wait to take off these other boots when i was testing and i for, didn't even know i had crispies on i would have to be like remember to take them off they were so comfortable and that to me is exciting because if your feet are that comfortable and you're wearing them 12, 14 hours a day, there's a high degree that you're going to have really happy feet in the hunt. So that's when I got, I really like crispy. And, um, then I did the hikes and the tests and here we are. I'm, I'm going to be wearing crispy in 2021, man, like hands down. Like th this was a real, like a real, I thought validated test where the bottom line was they fit my feet so good that I couldn't even remember that I had them on straight up. No BS. So we got to get into boot school today, man. We got to like figure out why that is for my feet and help people figure out what's best for their feet. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. That was a rad story by the way. And, and I, I, I remember though, a couple of the models that I sent, I think there was a model that you didn't like that you were like, eh. Oh yeah. It was the first pair that I asked for. Like it was the, it was the Thor. Yeah, and I purposely sent you the orange ones because I wanted them to be bright and loud and proud. And it's not that I, I actually been wearing them still a little bit for sure. I think these are going to come in handy in, in in certain terrain. Funny because you said they were so comfortable that you kind of forgot you had them on, and that's that's what, regardless of brand, that's what good footwear should be. Flat okay. out, like like our brand, Zamberlin, Loa, Hanwag your experience should be, I basically forget about my foot, but most guys I talk to that have tried that Thor have the exact same response that you had about a different, about other boots online is like most comfortable boot ever. 
man, it was interesting when, when I talked to you, I remember I was skiing, I was at Jackson on a little, a uh, couple day getaway. And I remember in, I was standing there talking, you're like, yeah, I just don't like those Thors as much. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Cause most guys do. Um, so no, it was, it, it, it is interesting by model, which ones some people gravitate towards and which ones other people gra- gra- gravitate towards. So let's try to like dissect like why I liked and didn't like certain ones of yours as well as other manufacturers that you guys carry at Black Ovis. But man, I have a whole page of notes here, so I might have to refer them to a little bit. But when we had our um, onboarding meeting where you kind of educated me on boots to the another level, I think it's super important that we discuss soles, midsoles, board lasts, which are something that I hadn't heard of, to be quite honest. And when you started taking me through that and talking about almost like boots that help propel you forward. Um, and from, from my standpoint as a former speed coach and working on propulsion, acceleration, stride length, stride frequency, and elk hunting, which is elk hiking, you had my interest. So let's start there, man. So boot construction, um, there's a lot of things as people, as you look at the different processes of how boots are made, I wish I wish that we could do a better job and we need to uh, the next time we actually get a chance to go to Italy of trying to show or share with, with hunters uh, in our market, what, what makes crispy unique. And we try to do that. And that's what you and I talked about. So board lasting um, board lasting is a, is an interesting process. It's, it's a time consuming process of building boots. It's also um, more costly but essentially the, the foundation of the boot, in our opinion, starts with the shape and the flex of the board last. Uh, and the board last, if you think of the board last as essentially, like if you pull, if you reach in your boot and pull out the insole, the underneath that insole and underneath the, in our boot, the gore membrane and liner is the board last. And that's sandwiched in between the midsole and the basically the leather and then the, the gore membrane that board last determines the shape and the flex of the boot. Uh, A lot of people think like, Oh, if I've got, you know, uh, you know, the midsole, you know, that rubber or, or EVA, or in our case, polyurethane in most of ours, most of our boots, they think that that's, that covers the flex or the sole itself, but it's the board last that creates this, this, the foundation. And so because we shape that almost with, with what we call rocker, um, if anyone's familiar with like skis, skis that have rocker, essentially the tip of the ski rises up instead of maintaining kind of its flat surface, it rises up in the front. And so when you look at the board last of our boot, it's slightly risen from basically the ball, the foot upwards. And what that does, it does two, well, it does three different things. Number one is it, it guarantees or, or assist in guaranteeing a, a common flex across the entire length of the boot rather than a shank that only does a portion, two thirds, a third, half, whatever the case may be, and creating a false breaking point or a false flex point. So number one, it maintains a complete or common flex throughout the, uh, the length of the boot. And that flex is changed based on the thickness and or the design or compound of the board last. The second thing it does, it almost pre-breaks in the boot because we have that rocker or that rising, and I'm kind of like using my hand to show it, kind of that rising of the tip when you break in a boot essentially that what that process is is you are forming the boot or flexing the boot enough 
so that your foot and the boot work in common. And that takes time and that takes miles and that takes sometimes some pain and sometimes some effort. Uh, well, all the times it takes effort, but because, but you know, but, but some guys have come to know our boots, uh, that they're kind of out of the box. I remember Casey from hush, you know, he actually did this where he, he took a pair of our boots to the trailhead, pulled them out of the box, put them on, went on like a five day hunt or whatever those guys were doing that time. We don't necessarily recommend that, but because of that brief, that, that flex in the board last, that risen toe, you get almost a pre-shaping of the boot so that the break in your foot and that boot becoming kind of one or working in tandem or that boot flexing to be, uh, I guess, synonymous with your foot shape is minimized or is already kind of pre-happening because of the construction of the boot. So that's the second benefit. The third benefit is what you were just talking about, Dan, which is you get almost this point, this tipping point where underneath the ball of the foot, when you instigate a step, it rolls. And the only reason it's rolling is because you've got that continuous flex across the entire board last or that, or that, that maintained flex instead of like this, this drop-off point, like a, like a shank will do. So you have this rolling point that pivots. So as you start pushing energy forward, the boot propels you or starts to roll forward. We have tons of guys that, that experience that at shows when we've done shows and guys try on boots, they'll roll forward and they'll be like, Oh my gosh, that, that feels weird. And what it is, is that that boot is rocking forward and you take that movement, that, that assistance in the step over 15 to 18,000 steps in a common you know day of hunting and hiking and now you've saved microcals per step so that at the end of the day, let's say you burned, I don't know what, it'd be awesome to try and figure it out, but let's say you burned 500 less calories because of the boot assisting or the boot participating in the step rather than you working all the work and the boots kind of working against you. And so you have kind of those three things that, that come of the board last construction which is a hand-built process and it's laborious. And it also takes like, it's real, it's a real craftsman or artisan way to build boots, which is something that crispy is very proud about and will never abandon. So that that's, that's really the foundation of a good mountain boot is, is, is what we start with is the board lasting. And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. and they're veteran owned and they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready to drinks, or check out that new flying elk roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15%. Also, Kafaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kafaru International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kafaru.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is 
the fastest downloading offline maps out there, as well as the most resilient, bulletproof, not gonna crash on you when you need it most. I run tracking most days while elk hunting, and I found Onyx to be the most reliable hunting GPS app out there. Check it out today. And finally, Baku e-bikes. These are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters. This is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting, checking your tree stand trail cams, getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. Yeah, the board lasting and propulsion, you talk about energy. Mm-hmm. being one of the only two commodities in the mountains, the other being time. And those are precious commodities. That's how that world works. And if you are squandering commodities, time or energy, it will catch you at the end of your hunt. And so for me, when you think about putting force into the ground, which is what sprinting, hiking, walking is, and you get an action and you get a exactly equal and opposite reaction Mm -hmm. for me it's not i'm not thinking as energy transfer as i'm saving calories i'm think i'm actually covering more ground just a little bit per step i am more efficient traveling in the mountains i can get to that quarry faster without the energy usage that i would if i'm leaking energy every step and the propulsion thing that you're talking about the rocking I felt that immediately and I'm a skier. So like I kind of get the whole skier boot mentality. And, and so when you pointed that out in our prior conversation, I was like, this has got to be a bigger thing than they're making it. Like this is a pretty big selling point for those looking to catch up how I hunt. You're looking to stay with the elk. It's hard to do. Um, And you're looking to be in the mountains in September the entire month. So you're just trying to last in September. Like that's what I'm trying to do. And some people it's a 10 day hunt or a 14 or a five day or a weekend warrior. It all adds up. It's like, if you, if you're, you do all these different things to create the maximum opportunity, like you're shaving ounces and you're cutting toothbrushes down and you're leaving that one extra layer home because you know what, the, the one layer I've got will suffice and, and you're buying the lightest backpack or the lightest, this and that, the, the, the boot construction and what we just talked about is one more thing that adds to a benefit, but it's not, it's not what we necessarily hang our hat on entirely or we don't, because sure. you know, sometimes, sometimes that technical like discussion is lost on people or people are just like, I flip and don't care. <laughs> are the booze comfortable and do they last, you know? And so it's like, yeah, they do. Well, we need to talk about durability for sure. But so you're saying for break-in periods, like your guys obviously have a standard, like three to five hikes for three to five miles, I believe you said, but I feel that's my kind of recipe I give to most people. Okay. And I think that's a good rule for the, so like my two favorites right now that by crispy are the guides, obviously, uh, and the Colorados hands down. And I feel like I, I would not need to break them in. And that's coming from a Kenny guy who's quite familiar with break-in processes. Yeah, Absolutely. And that was new to me. And, and I would stand by that statement that like, I don't think you really need to break them in for, for if your feet are like mine, I should say. Talked about souls and then 
how some of the other manufacturers work. Like I want to compare contrast soles, Vibrams. You have a one with Vibram that's proprietary, how like tread and how that pertains to elk hunting. Cause this is who we're talking to. Sure. So we've, uh, so the, the soles we work with Vibram exclusively. Um, we do have a couple of soles like on the, the, the Thor and the Laponia, for example, are the crispy model soles. Uh, made in the same same uh, facility with the Vibram, um, but they are proprietary to our, our name and are also the tread pattern. But with Vibram, we've been a part of the Vibram for forever and ever. Vibram's also, or they pronounce it Vibram, is the uh, they're an Italian company. They're in Mil- based out of Milan. I've been in right near uh, Montebelluna, where we in the the province where we we are, we uh, build boots. There's a there's a uh, Vibram R&D uh, office and location. I've been in there, um, looked at all the different, and there's, it's just like going shopping. You can go to the Vibram place and they have this huge wall and it's got every tread pattern you can imagine for running, for, you know, rock climbing, for hiking, for mountain boots. And there are some patterns that we use that other manufacturers have the ability to use and have used. And there are also some patterns that we have developed with uh, Vibram. And the purposes of those are twofold. Number one, it's not just so we can have our own, uh, but it's, it's, tr- we're trying to accomplish, how do we create something that we, it's called like self-cleaning, something that will not hold as much kind of soil and material and mud. Now you get in like stupid thick mud and I don't care what boot or what tire you're running on your truck, it's going to have mud in it. But we try to create a sole with Vibram that, that would eliminate as much carrying of extra soil. And that would also, we look at different compounds that would create grip, especially going over uh, rocks and stones, um, logs, wet, mossy situations. Uh, and so we had, we had to kind of come with a compromise. We came up with a compound with Vibram that was softer little tackier uh, using their mega grip uh, compound, which they use in some climbing shoes. And so our soles may wear out a little bit faster, but on the flip side, the, the benefit is, is uh, they may become more tacky and more grippy when wet. So if you're, especially where you guys live up in the Northwest, if you're up in Northern Idaho in the panhandle, or you dip over to the Cascades or even where you're at, you're going to be coming over like shale and rock that has moss on it almost continually um, down timber and stuff like that. So, uh, and we're actually working on another soul. We're actually working on two different soul projects right now with, with Vibram for different models of our boots, both aggressive as well as light and fast category. So we're always innovating and it's really, I mean, our, our, our founder, his son is now running the company. And he is an absolute innovator and he spends the majority of his time conceptualizing new boots as well as conceptualizing uh, materials like the Vibram soles that we use. So it's a, it's a really cool partnership, but we're also on the front end of trying to design sole patterns, which other manufacturers do with Vibram. That's not singular just to us, um, but it's super important to us to especially as we approach hunting specifically because it is you know it is our category and we did start building uh, hunting boots from the get-go 45 plus years ago 
Exactly. And that's a long time to be in the game and to evolve. You guys have something unique to Crispy, and I wanted to know if any of these other ones you guys sell at Black Ovis have that same scale where you guys can rate the stiffness, like one to five, five being the stiffest of the bunch down to one, which is going to have a lot of flex. Is that just a crispy scale or is that something that can be applied to all the ones you guys carry? So we haven't, and that's, it's a project we're actually working on right now on Black Ovis is, is, is highlighting all the brands, but we came from the crispy side, we came up with that flex rating um, just to try and help customers because we were getting questions from hunters that were like, you know, how does this compare with that? You know, I, I like a stiff boot. Well, well, stiff is, you know, stiff is the desk I'm, I've got my computer on right now, but it's also, you know, a a certain flex might be stiff. So we try to create a, something that would essentially say, Hey, number one is not necessarily a flip-flop. Um, but it's a boot that has a lot of flex and number five is not necessarily a two by four or even a ski boot. I mean, ski boots, zero flex, right? Unless you got a telly boot. But R5 Flex is not a ski boot, or it's not even the like the the Grand Drew from Scarpa is freaking stiff. Uh, I mean, it is a ski boot basically. It's a mountaineering snow boot that uh, like my my guide in Alaska is your wore Coflex, a plastic boot with a with a you know just like a ski boot liner. Um, those aren't even that's like a six on our on our scale. So we tried to say, hey, a five still has some flex three, the Nevada, the guide GTX, which you said you like, those are right in the middle, good torsional stability, lateral stability, um, still allows a lot of good toe flex. Um, and then down to one, like the Laponia, which, you know, you can, you can fold it like a tennis shoe, but it still has some, some decent support. So we, we created that flex system for our customers to be able to hone in on which boot they, they would want primarily because of what you just said earlier, which is it's hard to buy boots online. And our boots are not everywhere yet. Um, but secondly, uh, could can we relate that to all the other brands we sell, like Kenetrek, um, you know, Hanwag, Danner, uh, Z- Zamberlin? Sure, we could. And I think it'd be beneficial, um, you know, for us as Black Ovis to go ahead and do that. But it, but the footwear industry is not quite where, for example, the snow the 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 uh, sleeping bag industry has gotten to where the sleeping bag industry has basically called everyone out, you know, to each other and said, all right, guys, we're competitors, but let's work together and figure out the down, the, the rating system or comfort rating system. So there, now there's, there's kind of a, uh, a similarity across all manufacturers. The footwear industry is not there yet. And it, and I don't know if that's going to happen ever or might happen soon, but that our rating system may not be, apples to apples as you look at uh other brands like scarp or zamblin or Soleil or hanwag okay well that's good sorry long when, answer but i hope hopefully that that answered that it does and and that makes me like almost want to rapid fire the boots i have and the boots that are on my radar just from crispy real quick and kind of give me their 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 rating i guess so thor's are they like a four or thor's a four I, I might go three and a half only because the midsole on the Thor is is EVA and it's thinner than your Colorados, which are a four, and it's a polyurethane midsole and it's a little thicker. So, oh, that's good to know because there's me tweaking our own system, if you will. 
Okay. How about the so the Laponias are more like a one. Yep. Okay. How about the uh, Wyoming twos? Wyoming is a three, straight up, right in the middle. Brickstalls are four or five. Brickstalls a four if you have the brown ones, which are the non-insulated and the insulated. But if you have the the black ones, that's a five. I got the brown. Brown okay. town, right there. Brown town. You guys have something new coming out in May. The Ativa Mid GTX, which is uh, pretty dang excited about. That is that that. So the Ativa we introduced last year, which is a low. Right. It's our only. It's only. It's really a shoe. It's a shoe that doesn't have Gore-Tex, uh, which is the only boot, only footwear in our entire offering in North America. But we had enough guys that used it in like antelope or other hunting situations said, man, I just want something with a, just a little bit of beef and I want Gore. And Laponia is kind of like more boot than shoe, yep. but still very shoe boot combo. So the, the Ativa Mid GTX is a Gore-Tex mid-high a uh, different sole, so we've got a little more beef in that sole than in the um, a little more substance, not beef. Uh, is a hair stiffer, but it still comes in at one. But it's going to be a light and fast companion to the Laponia, and I think it's going to it's going to rock for those guys that love trail running shoes and like to hunt in them, but want to want to get a, a boot from Crispy or a boot that's that's really built for hunters as the main purpose. Okay, so you you've said GTX on the end of some of your boots, but yet. All your boots but one have Gore-Tex. GTX, I'm assuming, is Gore-Tex. Yeah, that's correct. And we it's simply just in the name. And some guys, like I had a guy call me today or call in, and he was like, hey, uh, you know, I've got the guide. And then he's like, G something or other. And I'm like, GTX, it's fine. Just call it the guide. And we all yeah. know that it's got Gore-Tex in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The official, na- the official naming, mo- most of them we have that GTX in there just as a symbolic measurement of saying, Hey, there's Gore-Tex, but we we're, we're one of, we're a Gore premier partner in Europe. So it's, it's inherent like that we have Gore-Tex in pretty much all of our footwear, which is cool. And you, I, God, I have two things I want to talk to you. Don't, I can't forget one of them, but I guess we, I'm going to talk about it now. So like the Thor and the Colorado have very similar ratings yet. I definitely like, I would prefer to wear the Colorados and you mentioned, so we have, your sole and your midsole. And you said that the midsole was definitely different between the two and that could be the difference. So we better back up and kind of cover the differences between a sole and a midsole. And then how you guys have those different depending on the boot. Cause guys need to know this when they're looking at boots. Absolutely. So, and that's, that's a good point. The, the sole, when, when guys, some guys see this, when say they say the sole, what some people think is everything under the leather. So go ahead and lift that, uh, lift that, that brick stall up again. So some guys will say everything below that Rand is the sole. When the sole is actually, if you see that light, that gray, it's, it's right. It's just the black underneath the gray. It's very thin. The sole itself is not typically a lot of substance other right. than the, the lug and then a little bit of rubber. The midsole is that next piece between the sole and the boot itself. And then the board last is inside there. Yep. Um, and that the, the sole, just because the sole, like I said, I said earlier, the sole and midsole don't really, they're, they don't really determine the flex of the boot, but they will assist in the flex of the boot. The board last is primarily determining the flex of the boot. But if you have different compounds as well as different thicknesses, that of course is going to change the flex or the cushion or the absorption of impact 
of a particular boot. So let's go down to two different materials that we use. We use EVA, um, which is super beneficial because it's very lightweight. Um, it's easy to use. It, it's less expensive. Um, we use EVA like in the, in the Ativa, that's actually called Elastoflex, which is a type of EVA. Um, in the Ativa Mid, in the Laponia, in the Summit, and in the Thor. Hopefully I'm not missing any in there. But all of those run two different densities of EVA. And we run different densities because what we're trying to accomplish is further absorption and or just a little adding just a little bit to that flex or adding a little bit to what the board last is doing. Um, so when you see the two colors in the Thor, for example, in the midsole, you're, you're not just seeing, it's not just pretty and design friendly. It's, it's because we've got two different densities in there and we can distinguish with the color. Um, there probably is a little bit of a design because the Italians are flashy sometimes, but um, now when you jump to our other soles, like the one in the brick stall, um, the brick stall and the Colorado and the wild rock, use that same sole and midsole combination from Vibram. And that, that is an over, that's, that's one that I, I think I've seen Schnee's uses in some of their boots. And I think, I don't think Zamberlin's used that one. Somebody else has, uh, might be Loa, but that is a, that's a polyurethane, two different densities of polyurethane and polyurethane is typically heavier. It's uh, it's more costly, but the benefit of polyurethane over EVA is that polyurethane will absorb more impact over time and maintain its ability to absorb more impact over time than will EVA. The perfect example of that, and the one I've used many times is, for example, if you get a pair of running shoes, pull out your Under Armour or your Nikes or whatever, and you like, dude, these, these shoes feel magical. And you go off and run or do whatever you want to do, and they feel light and cushy and it feels like clouds and unicorns and then about four or five months later you're like oh these just aren't nearly as comfortable and by about 10 months later after heavy use you may not even mow your lawn in those shoes because they're so uncomfortable and that's because the eva has worn down or it, it's compressed enough and now it will no longer compress and rebound uh and so eva of varying densities will absorb impact so much for so much, so many miles or so many impacts and, and polyurethane is, uh, both, you know, it's been proven a lot of physics examinations and impact examinations that two to three and sometimes four X more than EVA, depending on the density. So we use, uh, the dual density polyurethane in those boots. And then in the Wyoming, the guide, the Nevada, um, the Dakota, which is a discontinued boot. I miss one, the Hunter. We use the crispy proprietary uh, midsole that we designed with Vibram, and it has two different densities of of EVA, uh, excuse me, of polyurethane, and it's designed. The shape of it is designed with what we call the the crossbow, um, and it's it looks like little waves. You kind of if you look at the sidewall on the on those boots, you'll see a little wave, um, and that that is also built that way. The way I think about it is kind of like the Air Jordan was built kind of cushion. Those, those waves in that midsole, there you go, that one right there, are right where your, your fingers are, is built to absorb impact and like rebound as you're hiking, especially with heavier weights. And now on the new Wyoming 2, which is a boot you got, is that 
is our latest iteration of that midsole, which is even better. It's got a little bit softer polyurethane, especially out into the forefoot. And those are what we feel is an improvement upon impact absorption over the lifetime of the boot versus some of the other compounds like EVA or the, the existing uh, midsole on the Nevada. So um, we're, we continue to evolve the use of two different densities of polyurethane and in different patterns within the midsole to accomplish comfort mile after mile after mile after mile and you know potentially season after season after season. Yeah. Yep. So the... That's a lot to unpack. And I, I, I just laid a whole bunch of knowledge on you and hopefully that's not too good. I, think I, guys, I laid it out so it's clear. I think they understand now, like, okay, we're, we're really breaking this down to a sole, which is not as big as you thought, a midsole, which you got EVA, polyurethane, and you really need to look at what's going to best best for you, like pay attention to what you have currently. Um, and then the board last, honestly, is the game changer, which is why I brought it up. The other thing I want to talk about while we're talking about these components, and it seems like we've stuck with crispy most of the time. So if people are listening, getting frustrated with me, sorry, uh, we'll get to some other stuff in a second. Ankle board, I'm sorry, ankle bone support system, your ABSS, which is, I think it's called the towel curl joint, but your ankle joint. Um, and then there's that bony process that sticks out on everyone's foot that they need to be aware of. And talk to us about how kind of you guys do that whole memory foam angle with that and which boots have that. Perfect. So ankle bone support system. Because they- I have wink ankles, like my ankles... I broke my left ankle in wrestling. I have skinny ankles, Kendall, and I can't change that. That was the cards I was dealt. So that's why I bring it up. Yeah, and a lot of guys have like, you know, sports injuries or or whatever they, you know, whatever they might have done multiple times. And once you once you jack up your ankle, it's it's common. It, it may re, it's a repeater kind of injury. Yeah. Um, so ankle, ankle bone support system is is we it's the ABSS. And if you look on the inside of any of our boots, it should have a little orange tag. That's a good designator. Um, boots that have it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yep, there you go, right there. ABSS. So that's a proprietary crispy uh, innovation. Um, and and what we tried to do was create lateral stability in the shaft of the boot, the upper of the boot without limiting mobility. Um, because you take like a plastic boot or really you start adding plastic or other materials into the shaft of the boot. Now you're decreasing the mobility of the foot and ankle. Um, but you're increasing stability. So it's kind of like, you don't have to give up one to get the other. And so with ABSS, what we did is we took essentially a memory, uh, like a memory type foam, uh, that's, that's quite dense and, and it, put that into an area around where the ankle bone, each side, both, in, both uh, medial and lateral side of the, of the boot. And so as you lace the boot up, that, that foam, if you think about it, just putting your head on a, on a memory foam pillow, your, your head just kind of like crushes into it and leaves kind of an impression. Your ankle does the same thing as you lace that boot up, it'll form around your ankle not make it an impossible, but darn near impossible for you to roll your ankle because now the, so even a boot that doesn't have ABSS is going to provide good stability. Most boots do, unless you're in something like, uh, you know, like the Thor, for example, or if you're in Chuck Taylor Converse, right? <laughs> I don't care how high those things come up to your knee, they, there's no stability. Yeah. 
but most boots have foam or, or leather or other materials, Cordura, that will provide some sort of support. But the ABSS will go on top of that and give you more confidence, I think. And I, I get a lot of guys that will say, man, I just feel, I feel confident. And I don't think that's a placebo effect. I think that's a reality of as they're side healing or as they're walking down a trail and they step on that stick or that root or that rock and their ankle kind of like, you know, you, we've all had it where you like kind of have that ankle. And when you don't actually end up on the ground, you know, in the fetal position, like crying because your ankle just snapped, you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe my foot just didn't like snap over like that. And, and I've had guys tell me over and over and over that they feel like the, because of ABSS, it saved their ankles on countless times. So it's a very uninvasive way of creating stability, but maintaining uh, mobility in, in the boot. So when you're being a boot snob and you're going through like different boot heights for the ankles, what's the correct way to describe that? Um, like for example, the guides, uh, I was under the impression that those aren't the highest. The Nevadas are higher. Is that right? The Hunter is higher. The Hunter's the higher. That's a 12-inch boot. The, okay. the, the Guide is a 10-inch, and the okay. Nevada is an 8-inch. Okay. So how would someone looking at buying a boot from whoever, I don't care, like decide what's the right height for them? And also, we forgot to mention this, guys. Once you find the one... Buy two per, the way Nelly used to say, like, I need two per, not one. And because, trust me, like, when I even when I go hunting, man, like, I don't wear the same shoe day after day. I literally switch out shoes every day just to keep um, fresh feet, quite honestly. And so, and I've always done that, and that's the thing. You're going to do that. You're going to want to invest once you find the one. So, talk to me about boot heights. So, boot height, I think, is more of a personal uh comfort or desire or it's more uh based on condition okay then uh so for example i i don't i've worn our uh our idaho um which is a 10 inch boot it's basically the big brother to the wyoming and i'm not i'm just not fond of the higher height i don't feel i know that i get more support uh because i've got more material and it's like goes up higher on my leg and it's going to you know i feel and i know that there's more support happening there but for me personally, I don't necessarily feel like I need it. And the added warmth as well as the added stability is more inhibiting for me or more like it's like it's extra credit I don't necessarily need. But if you but if guys are accustomed to wearing a taller boot or they have really weak angles, they're like, man, I don't care how good you say your ABSS is, I have like weak angles. Um, then I'm like, jump into a 10 inch for sure. Um the other thing about boot height is, is conditions. Um, if you're like, if I'm going to, you know, if I know I'm gonna run around on tundra all, all the time, or I'm going to be up in the Northwest crossing little streams and stuff. And I don't necessarily want to have gators on perpetually. I may bump up to the 10 inch or maybe even that 12 inch, which we sell. Most of the guys are using that, that 12 inch boot are sheep hunters or guys mm -hmm. that are in really wet conditions that no, I don't really want to wear gators all the time. And I'm going to be crossing streams left and right. And I've had it happen where I've had water come over the top and that's not necessarily a fun thing to have, but, uh, so that boot height will provide additional support, but most guys that find like an eight inch is fine. 
don't may there's a trade-off of added warmth and added material and added weight versus you know a little bit more ankle support in that taller boot before i ask you this last good question i gotta go back uh if you're like me you want things to last right so we want to what's the best practices for longevity as well as um, do people send their stuff in to get resold? So boot care, what to put on your your boots to make them last, and then talk about like general things guys can get fixed and some things, hey, man, you done wore your boots out, that's on you type of thing. Yeah, great great question, and a lot of, lot of different aspects there to cover. First thing, um, as far as our leather, we've worked with the same tannery since, since the beginning of Crispy. Um, the tannery suggests based on the type of leather and the type of cows that we're, we're getting our leather from to not use anything that contains, uh, like a wax or an animal, like a, like a mink oil or an oil type product. Um, not because those don't keep the water out, which they do a very good job of like Ovenoffs and, and the Kenetrek wax and other wax that I like snow seal. It does an exceptional job of keeping the water out. But the thing it doesn't do is it doesn't moisturize the leather and the, and our, our, our boot cream is more about moisturizing the leather and creating, regenerating the oils in the, in the leather and keeping the leather supple than it is about waterproofing. It does waterproof the leather, but the gore is what's keeping your boot, your foot dry. It's not the, not the waterproofing of the leather. And so just like you would put like good hand lotion on your hands, if they're cracking and drying, you, you want to get moisture down into the, the skin now. Uh, so that's the main thing is with our boots, it doesn't matter what you've used in the past. Uh, we, we recommend a, a synthetic based or a water-based product. And I've used Grandeur's and Nick wax. They have a really good water-based product. And then I've used our crispy uh, waterproofing cream. Um, so that's first off, if you've got a synthetic boot that has, uh, like, like Cordura or suede, um, you can use a spray on that. Um, and the spray honestly is like a DWR spray. It will come off. It's not, it's not meant to fully waterproof, like a, like a rubber boot might waterproof and no, it's not, it, it will absorb water over time and it's going to, it's just going to happen, but it will also keep, I think more importantly, uh, is cleaning your boots a little more often than never, which most guys <laughs> never do, you know, yep. clean your dang boots. Like use a, use a boot soap, like what Nick wax has and, and, you know, clean them out because you're going to open up the pores. You're going to op open up the, the, the ability for it to breathe and to function well. Um, longevity is, is somewhat relative. Um, if you take care of your boots, uh, and you're not like a super user, you should be able to like, for example, if you're, if you're a guy that hunts, I don't know, like most, most, I mean, I'm an office guy. I get out and hunt. I'm, I'm thankful that I have the ability to hunt, you know, a handful of weeks a year, but most guys are hunting maybe one week long hunt and then six or seven weekend hunts throughout the season, or maybe, maybe they're hunting realistically 15 to 20 days. Um, if they're really getting after and they're very dedicated, uh, and, and because they're trying to juggle family and work and stuff. If you're, if that's when you're running your boot and you're running it for half a dozen scouting hikes and half a dozen training heights, I don't see why a, a boot well taken care of shouldn't last you two, three, four or five years. I've got a pair of Nevadas that I use in that kind of frequency that are six years old. And I just had them resold. Um, now I'm, I'm lucky because I have a handful of boots I can use. 
I've also had other guys that have gone through a pair of boots in like five or six months and like a wildlife biologist who's in the field five to six days a week, 340 days a year. Um, and he absolutely just is brutal. So it depends on the user, but, uh, but there's certain things you can do to care for your boots, like, like, you know, cleaning them, treating the leather on, on a fairly regular basis, paying attention to, you know, the leather cut changing colors and drying out stuff like that. So that's going to help with your longevity. Um, and it's also going to help in both maintaining the value of it. And if stuff happens that, uh, that is completely like, Hey man, this shouldn't have failed. We, we try to be as fair as possible and, and accommodating within our warranty to either repair or replace. Um, and then outside that, that warranty period of a year, as far as getting your boats resold, um, we do offer resoling um, through a cobbler here in Utah. And then we've partnered with them. And they, the cool thing about our resole process is they don't just do the sole, um, which if you just took your boots, Dan, to a, to a guy there in Spokane, yeah. chances are what he's going to do is cut the sole off or whatever's left of the sole, just and then leave the midsole on there. And then he'll glue a new sole onto that bottom of the midsole. Um, with our with our cobbler, uh, we import the actual sole and midsole, so he'll replace the entire, basically bottom of the boot, um, and that's usually like eighty to about one hundred and ten bucks, depending on the model. Takes two or three weeks tops. So um, most of our boots can be resold, and that's uh, you know that's something that that a lot of guys don't. I don't think guys do it. They just like, ah, you know, I wore these boots for three years, so I'm out. I'll get a new pair. And yep. well, it's really rad to get a new pair of boots. Like for a hundred, hundred bucks, get a new, basically putting tires and struts on your, on your rig, you know, the sole midsole. It's like if the upper is still in good, you know, good usable condition and keeping your foot dry still, like, why wouldn't you? Well, gosh, a couple, I got, man, you stirred up more questions. So I guess we'll, we'll make time for this. Like, so this is. This this rand right here. Yeah. What is this material made out of? And guys that are just listening, I'm holding up a pair of crispy guides, but I know that Kinetrex has a rand on theirs as well. Is this a what is this made out of? That's rubber. That's, That's... that that model is a rubber rand. Um, okay. And it's uh, it's it's a pretty cool process actually when they put it on. But it's a rubber rand. It's built. It's it's not to increase waterproofness, which some guys have have, have suggested. It's there to prevent the leather from getting cut and or basically destroyed where this where rocks and shale come in contact with the boot. Perfect. So it's is to protect the leather, increase longevity and durability. At times it can rip. It's just it's like anything else. If you if you beat the crap out of it, that you know, it may peel off a little bit, it may rip or tear. Um, better that than the leather. And there are some abilities to, to, to like, you know, re-glue down some of it that gets peeled up from catching on, you know, whatever. Um, but, but I've seen some rands that are pretty destroyed and the boots still, you know, still have plenty of miles in them. Yep. I just wanted to cover that. I think a lot of guys freak out when those things get nicked, but that's kind of what they're for. And I, and I, I think that was a huge misconception. And then breathability let me mention, sorry to interrupt you, but on some of our boots, the rand is actually a polyurethane coated leather that's stitched down. So if you pull up. Yeah, which ones were stitched like triple stitched? Which ones were those? Thor is a triple stitch with, uh, yeah, it, with a Dyne, it's, it's a Dyneema cord, uh, Kevlar combination thread. 
So, and that is a actual leather that we've treated with polyurethane. So it's got a, like a, like a rubberish type texture on the outside, but because it's leather, we can do a little bit more surface area and do over some curves that, that the rubber would have a harder time adhering to. I mean, look at that. Look how high that is for those watching. Yeah. And then up around the toe, I think on the toe area on the top, we have the patterns a little bit different. Yeah. So see how it comes up where the big toe is. You couldn't yeah. do that with rubber. There's no way to do that. It would look obnoxious as well. But um, so that is a polyurethane coated leather. And on super rare occasions, I've seen those, I've seen that stitching come out. Really? Uh, yeah. Like I had a, you know, guys that ride motorcycles or ATVs or in, you know, where they've got high contact with that one area over and mm -hmm. over and over on something, the metal like that. I've seen, sure. I've seen that come apart. Um, Matt Bateman, the guy, you know, our buddy at uh, Grim Reaper. I don't know how he did it, but the guy shredded a pair of uh, summits and he, and I said, man, how on earth did that stitching come out? And he goes, truth, truth is Kendall, every single one of my boots, no matter the brand, I torch it right in that spot. And I was like, oh, well, let's get it fixed for you. So we sent it down to the cobbler and got them restitched and, and actually put a new sole on it too. So it can, that can be fixed and it's not a hard fix. Okay. Uh, breathability in the tongue. I feel like we missed that a little bit because, oh yeah, we have to talk about that. We talked about that. So you've got a couple different boots, um, in the, in the, you've got the brick stall, which is a, is a, is a new buck, uh, waterproof leather. And you've got the guide, which is also a new buck waterproof leather. <clears throat> the differences in the tongue, the, the guide is a full leather tongue all the way through, um, completely bomber. Now, I, I like to look at products sometimes and think fewer stitches, fewer parts, fewer problems, um, or fewer potential breaking points. And that's the case with the Nevada guide. I mean, it's one piece that wraps all the way through, <clears throat> but you don't have the breathability like you would in the brick stall because the brick stall encompasses, it has that new buck leather around the outside, but it has a stretch nylon that goes through the tongue. And so you have this essentially like a, a soft shell type jacket fabric. It's kind of the best way I can describe it for people to understand um, in the tongue area with that bomb proof leather around the rest of the boot. And so you've got this, basically it's like having the most rad vent venting system in your boots so that it dumps a ton of heat. Uh, but the leather creates that stability the durability, as well as the, the functionality that you want in a good mountain boot. So depending on the tongue fabric in some of our boots, you may increase your breathability or, or increase the possibility of you dumping heat through the tongue versus like on a full leather boot, like the, uh, the Nevada or the, the guide. So a big difference too. And then I, I think I told, I shared the experience with you that I had in Alaska when I went up there on a sheep hunt about three years ago, I was super, super blessed to be able to do that. And first day I'm there with, uh, with, with my buddy, Jay, who was taking pictures in Austin, my guide. And, uh, I walk across the first glacial stream and I'm like, you've got to be flipping kidding me. These boots are leaking. <clears throat> and so I I'm like, you've got to be kidding me day one. So I pull my boots off and I'm like, huh, my feet are dry. That's weird. I swear they were leaking happened again. And then I finally realized like, Oh my gosh, what's happening is I'm feeling that temperature because that water is so cold. I was feeling that temperature difference 
so dramatic and so rapidly that it felt like my feet were getting wet when indeed it was just the temperature change was that noticeable. And I'd never noticed it before because I'd never worn the Brickstall before. I'd always been a Nevada guy, which is a full leather gusset. Mm. I got a couple of buddies that just, they love Kenny's, but they can't wear them because they feet, their feet just sweat too much. And I'm not sure which model they're running. I, I want to say it's just, uh, maybe it's the hard scramble. Maybe it's the, maybe it's their guides, but sweaty feet guys do not translate to good hunting conditions for your feet. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you have, like, if you have sweaty feet, you should probably at least change your socks midday at the very least, uh, or get a different boot, quite honestly. Um, which boot do you think that you guys run is the most breathable for those that just have sweaty, sweaty feet? The, uh, it's going to be either the summit or the, like the Idaho, Wyoming, um, because all three of those use, uh, like a Cordura primarily through most of the boot on the Wyoming and Idaho, it's actually a, a super fabric, which is uh, Cordura woven with polyurethane thread provides a more, more durable outer, but like that summit, I mean, dude, it dumps heat like no other it's, it's extremely, I mean, for warm weather, it's, it's a no brainer. Um, and, and it's, I mean, I've known, but it's see like the Wyoming, I've, I ran that one season from start to finish from, from basically bow hunting here in Utah in August, when we open to hunt chuckers, you know, at the first of the year in snow slash cold. Um, and I just changed socks and moved around my sock thickness a little bit. Um, but I'm also, you know, I also a very active hunter. If I was going to be sitting and glassing for long periods of time in cold weather, and my foot, my feet would have froze. Um, uh, so, I mean, some guys, you know, it depends also on your seasonality. If you're, if you're a late season hunter, I might stick to the full leather, regardless of those occasional hikes, when it's going to be a lot warmer, stick to the full leather and, and let the boot help you with some of that, uh, uh, that warmth retention and stuff. But yeah, that the, the summits prop well outside the Ativa. I mean, good heavens, that thing is basically a, you know, it's a trail running shoe kind of, um, but from the boot standpoint, probably summit would be the most breathable and most, uh, like airy. And when that's why we sell summit in, in those warmer climates, the Arizona, New Mexico, Utah regions. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I was trying to make boots not so convoluted. So folks could at least like look beyond brand names and kind of like understand like framework the framework and, and and you know as you look at like like the new salewa um they came out with the crow gtx and you look at like the solomon quest 4d and you look at you know like the kenetrek hard scrabble which is a full leather you you look at you know the hanwag um you know you, you start to see, what you should be seeing is leather versus synthetic suede versus nubuck those types of leather full grain leather um, and start to recognize like, Hey, the suede nubuck, uh, or excuse me, the suede synthetic is going to breathe a lot more, but I'm also going to absorb potentially more, more water. Um, even though it has gore in it, the, the fabric's going to absorb more water. If I'm looking at nubuck leather, it's going to absorb leather. You know, that's like the guide in the, uh, the, the brick stall, the leather's basically brushed a little bit so it's going to absorb a little bit moisture a little faster than a full grain leather like the wild rock which is more slick or more smooth on the outside um your leather thicknesses and then when you start looking at midsoles and soles and the and the lug 
you know, depth. If you look at our, like the crispy Thor, which is a, as a thinner soul depth, um, versus like the Nevada, which is a deeper soul depth. Um, in the Thor, you're going to be able to be more nimble. You're going to walk quieter. You're going to stalk easier, but it's also going to wear out more, uh, more quickly. And it's not going to be as supporting when you've got a 75 pound pack on your back because you've got less rubber and less compound to absorb. So guys should look across, not just our boots, but all boots and start to look at the different materials that make up the boot to determine you know, Hey, I'm, I'm two thirty six foot three. And I love to, you know, go on week long hunts with a 50 pound backpack. Well, bro, you're going to want to make sure you have some, you know, boots that have a good substantial midsole and a decent lug pattern, um, so that you're getting more absorption out of your boot. And if you're an early season guy, start looking at the different materials that make it up. If you're later season guys start gauging insulation, non-insulation. So whether someone's picking a crispy or looking at some of uh, our competitors or the other brands that we sell on Black Ovis, um, or you walk into your local pro shop, like, you know, start educating yourself on the materials and the build um, to determine, help determine kind of what you need or want for, for the type of hunting and the, and the seasonality of your hunting. Kendall, if I made a couple of uh, videos here um, in the show notes that you guys have already like have assets wise, and you can send this to me after we, we get done here. Sure, sure. What's the one or two videos that you guys have already produced out there that do a pretty good bang up job as a follow up or a supplemental guide to what we've talked about on today's boot school? There's there's a couple of videos in our in our makeup. One is, and they're more discussion videos about. Um, the the early season or late season or mid season and those those videos i think are helpful because they go through scenarios it's it's me and justin and then Corey and i uh and then john's got one that actually we're getting ready to shoot on insulated non-insulated but it talks about all the different boots and we try to go through scenarios of where you're using those boots and why you would select one boot over another I think that those videos are super helpful. And then, um, the, the two technical videos that we have, one is about our insulation, how we, how we, you, what types of insulation we use and why. Um, and then the other one's about the board lasting midsole sole kind of marriage construction, um, that, that kind of gives you a little bit of a more foundational and visual aside from what you and I've talked about today. So those are probably the ones I would hone in on. Um, that will help guys kind of discern where should I be if I'm considering a particular crispy boot. Awesome. I, uh, I appreciate that. I will find those videos. I'll put those in the show notes for everybody. Uh, boots are important, Kendall, as you know. I would say probably the three most important things that I, I uh, archery-wise for me is my bow, like the actual, like the bow that I shoot the best and fits the best. Pack. And then at the number one is boots. Boots are actually the like the most important decision you make, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I think that you we did a pretty good job on boot school. I appreciate um, tell everybody where they can follow along for not only crispy, but we also have a discount code with your blackovis.com. Thank you for that, by the way. I can't even tell you how many people tell me they use that. So um, where can people find more about crispy and more about you? 
crispyus.com is our website. Um, if you're looking on the IG, it's at crispy hunting, follow along. And then our, we use the crispy hunting as well as crispy boots hashtag. So if you want to see what other people are posting about us, you can use those, those two hashtags. Uh, and then me, I'm just Kendall card on the IG. I'm nothing, uh, nothing's fancy there. Uh, I don't post a ton, but um, I've kind of taken a little hiatus the last four or five months, but I'll, you know, once hunting season gets here, I'll, I'll hone in on a little bit more sharing the love, but, uh, I don't, uh, yeah, anyway, but that, and then if you, and then the other thing too, is guys, I don't know if guys realize it or not, we're totally wide open for phone calls, emails. We take a lot of phone calls from guys all day, every day, uh, here at crispy us talking about what they want to get into, why this boot versus that boot. Uh, we recognize our boots aren't available everywhere. I mean, you're fortunate. Josh sells them right there at uh, Spokane Valley Archery. Um, but a lot of guys aren't so favor, you know, favorable to be able to drive 15, 20 minutes to try on a pair of our boots. So um, check us out online on, at Crispy US or give us a call. We're happy to, uh, to lay down some info as best we can. Thanks for the knowledge bombs. Guys, remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Well, guys, boot school in the books. I bet you learned something. I know I do. Every time I talk to Kendall, he is a boot nerd or a boot connoisseur, whatever you want to call it. Uh, appreciate you, Kendall Card. You are a good man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, boot school, guys. Let's talk about where to go from here. I think if you can't try boots on... Um, order some. Uh, I know Crispy does this. I'm sure others will as well, but Crispy definitely will provide you uh, the ability to return your boots if they just don't fit right if you're ordering online. That's super important. If I had to recap kind of what we talked about is, look, man, if you have a wide toe box like I do, you're going to probably want to try Crispy on. I like a pretty high boot, so I'm really digging the guides. Uh, they are definitely on the warmer side, so if you do have sweaty feet, you might want to drop down to like something with a more synthetic type Colorados. Uh, the Thors, I'm still giving them a chance. Um, I do think they're going to probably dominate uh, in some wetter conditions. And then for stiffness-wise, those brick stalls are awesome. I do have the Itivas that he mentioned, the mid GTX and I plan on using those for early season antelope without a doubt but for right now I'm lacing up the guides in the Colorado's for spring bear in North Idaho where it's basically a rainforest and there's a lot of scree rock and moss like he talked about so anyways hopefully you guys learned something from there remember that discount code with black ovis is uh elk shape and it's 10% off some exclusions apply uh but Definitely, Black Ovis sells everything under the sun. Check them out. I uh, want to give a shout-out to Northwest Retention Systems. These guys have been killing it with their holster. So if you do like to carry gun spray, check out the chest holsters. Call it the Scout, northwestretention.com. Link in the show notes. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. Knock 10% off. Save shipping and handling. And they can basically line you out with any handgun that you rock. ElkCollective.com, digital elk hunting education, and we're adding a bunch of new videos from all the elk shape camps this year. We've 
doing seven camps this year and we're filming at every camp and then all that content doesn't go to YouTube. It goes to the Elk Collective. So you can learn by watching, not reading. Uh, if you want to check out the Elk Collective, go to theelkcollective.com and enter the discount code Elkshape Podcast, all one word, save $25 off there. And last but not least is Stowaway Gourmet, hashtag not sponsored. Uh, they have a discount code on their freeze-dried food and I always recommend stocking up a little bit, like maybe get like a couple a month and then by the time September rolls around you'll have enough for your week or two weeks or your 30 days whatever use the discount code elk 10 save 10% off appreciate you guys support you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts thanks for picking this one I ask that you do one favor tell somebody about the podcast that you think would dig a little bit of mix of elk hunting personal development discipline delayed gratification remember separation is in the preparation and we'll catch you on the next one